friends, and welcome to Ghost Emoji. We've been gone a minute because of travel and birthdays and other things, but we're back. I'm Becca. I'm Taylor. And we're here to talk about some spooky shit. Yep, we're talking about the Flatwoods monster. Now, Becca, you picked out this monster this week, and I just want to know, when you're looking for a cryptid, what, what words just jump off the page and grab you by your eyeballs and make you want to know more about this monster. Elizabethan. (laughs) Space. (laughs) Extraterrestrial owl? Uh, skirt? Hover skirt. (laughs) Where did Elizabethan come in? That's what a lot of people refer to it as. They're like, it looks like an alien wearing like an Elizabethan like skirt and frill or something. Uh, I'm just going to call it Elizabeth from now on. Not (laughs) not greenie or whatever. They they call it the Braxton County monster, the Phantom of Flatwoods, um, because it was sighted in Braxton County, West Virginia. I saw other parts where they called it like the green monster, just the green monster. Mm -hmm. I like Flatwoods monster. Not as much as Elizabeth, though. <laughs> That's her fun nickname. Oh, uh, it's like I don't want to be that anymore. Now I want people to take me serious. My name is Elizabeth. Don't call me Lizzie or Liz. <laughs> it's Elizabeth. Oh, and that's good since it's sort of like reptilian mm-hmm. lizard. It's perfect. Uh, Elizabeth would say no. She'd be like, "Ugh, that's speciesist. Don't it's call me lizard." <laughs> I'm. My name is Elizabeth. So, if you have not taken a, a gander at this uh, beautiful creature, look up uh, Flatwoods Monster Illustration and behold its loveliness. There's something really special about cryptids that there are no, like, fuzzy photographs or anything. It's just drawings mm-hmm. that really, like, just show you the the human imagination is such a gift. <laughs> But they're very good. I'll make sure whenever I post it on Twitter, I'll I'll uh, include some of those. If you're too lazy to look them up yourself, but man, oh man, it's it's something. How uh how did this sighting come about? How did because this is one that it's I feel like it's not a cryptid that has like repeated sightings that people you know over time have like different stories about it it's really mainly just this one time it's not like you know bigfoot or the lizard man from south carolina or whatever like it's just this this one big to do and they're still talking about it i mean i i added that one story that a lot of people think that maybe it's a similar looking thing just because of the fact that it's a humanoid that hovers. Weak, but, weak um, sauce. I don't know. Like, Where was the reptiles? When, Where was the tiny You claws? didn't watch the YouTube video, okay? They're actually like, it's weird because there's video of these weird humanoid shaped things and they're literally like floating. They look like and then, blobs. Like, flying. It's weird. They, it's weird. One of them looked very much like a human, or like that shape. It may have just been a deflated balloon. I don't know, but it looked like a human, it, okay? It might have been, but I feel like when I look at these beautiful drawings of Elizabeth, and I look at this weird floating, you know, gray with a witch hood on or whatever, they're miles apart. Literally miles apart. 
One is in Mexico. One is in West Virginia. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Where's what? Where is the OG sighting? The original sighting? What happened? All right. The alleged sighting happened at 7.15 p.m. on September 12th of 1952. So two brothers, Edward and Fred, and their last name is May, and their friend Tommy Heyer, uh, ages 13, 12, and 10, respectively, said they saw a bright object cross the sky and land on the property of a local farmer, G. Bailey Fisher. So the boys went to the home of Kathleen May, so that's Edward and Fred, their mom, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. where they told their story. She, accompanied by the three boys, um, local children Neil Nunley, 14, and Roddy Shaver, 10, and 17-year-old West Virginia National Guardsman Eugene Lemon, went to the Fisher Farm in an effort to locate whatever it was that the boys said they had seen. Uh, The group reached the top of a hill, where Nunley said they saw a pulsing red light. Lemon said he aimed a flashlight in that direction and momentarily saw a tall, man-like figure with a round red face surrounded by a pointed hood-like shape. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Descriptions varied. In an article for Fate magazine based on his tape-recorded interviews, UFO writer Gray Barker described the figures as approximately 10 feet, which is 3 meters tall, uh, with round blood-red face, a large pointed hood-like shape around the face, eye-like shapes which emitted greenish-orange light, and a dark black or green body. Um, which I think, like, when you read that description, it doesn't sum up how fucking weird it looks. Because it literally looks like it's it's shaped like a person up top and a bell down below. It looks kind of like the Queen of Hearts, but if she had fucking saucers for eyes and weird little claw-like arms. Well, it's like if a, like a classic, like, gray alien or some kind of, like, lizard-ish alien was like poking out of the top of like a Dalek kind of where it's got like these like weird little arms and a giant weird metal skirt sort of thing it's on a pedestal Um, it's literally on a pedestal (laughs) yeah uh Kathleen May described the figure as having small claw-like hands clothing like folds and a head that resembled the ace of spades According to the story, when the figure made a hissing sound and glided toward the group, which is fucking horrifying, Lemon screamed and dropped his flashlight, causing the group to run away. Don't put that all on Lemon. They ran away because a giant Dalek hissed at them. Yeah, I mean, that would freak me out. So, do you want to read the next bit? If I'm brave enough. Are you? (laughs) I just, I'm, you know, how I am about pungent mists. I mean, it is spooky. Uh, so let's see. After they ran away, the group said that they had smelled a pungent mist, and some later said that they had been nauseated. Uh, the local sheriff and a deputy had been investigating reports of a crashed aircraft in the area. Um, they searched the site of the reported monster. Okay, so this is after they told them they'd seen a monster. Uh, but saw, heard, and smelled nothing. They were really following their noses. Uh, to nothing. (laughs) According to Barker's account the next day, A. Lee Stewart Jr. of the Braxton Democrat claimed to discover skid marks in the field and an odd gummy deposit, which were subsequently attributed uh, by UFO enthusiast groups as evidence of a saucer landing. For several weeks afterwards, several of the witnesses reported, uh, reported suffering from nausea, convulsions, and irritation to their throat and sinuses. Um, consistent with light mustard gas exposure, 
uh, monster or no monster, some suggest they were exposed to something they shouldn't have been, like yep. Elizabeth. That's rude of them to say about Elizabeth. She just wanted to say hello. <laughs> yeah, she just doesn't know how to say our, our language. She has a weird lizard mouth. So... She's doing her best, y'all. Golly. Long trip like that, and then people just just going wild. After this, I think we should read probably the press coverage part from yeah. the original one, and then we can go over this maybe connected police officer sighting. So, for press coverage of the Braxton County Monster, um, let's see, the news editor, former news editor, Holt Byrne, uh, newspaper stories were carried throughout the country, radio broadcasts were carry on, carried on large networks, and hundreds of calls were received from all parts of the country. I wonder if they were calling to say they thought they had seen something, or if they just wanted to, to give their two cents about Elizabeth. It didn't say, because this is all from Wikipedia, and then I tried to find more, like, official sources, but I really couldn't. It was just sort of like, Wikipedia, <laughs> and then cryptozoology.com, and stuff like that. So. I mean, I guess if it was all radio broadcasts and stuff like that, you, it might be hard to find, like, a transcript of someone carrying a news story in, like, a different part of the country. You see, oh, the press services rated the story number 11 for the year. Not a lot going on in 1952, I guess. <laughs> um, a minister from Brooklyn came to question the May family because Jesus hates aliens. <laughs> um, a Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, a Pittsburgh paper sent a special reporter, a UFO, and 14 writers like Gray Barker and Ivan S. Sanderson, or no, Ivan T. Anderson. That sounds like an alien name. That's a fake name, Ivan T. Sanderson. They arrived to investigate. I wonder what they found. Probably that it was an alien. That they always think it's aliens. So I looked up a little bit more. Did it did it say that there were like people in a twenty mile radius saw illuminated objects in the sky at the same time? Um, um I don't remember seeing that them... in this specific one, but I remember seeing that when I was looking up the explanations because people I right. guess saw well, we'll cover that part. So, Barker uh, noted that numerous people on a 20-mile radius in 1953, this is in his article in 1953, noted that numerous people on a 20-mile radius saw the illuminated objects in the sky at the same time. So, back in September, what, 12th, 1952, um, evidently seeing different objects. Oh, I have pop-up. <laughs> Damn it, pop-ups. Uh, evidently seeing different objects or a single one making a circuit of the area. Barker believed that the Flatwoods incident was consistent with other reports of flying saucers or similar craft, and that such a vehicle landed on the hillside either from necessity or to make observations. Um, apparently, at this time in UFOlogical history, the developing mythology had not yet uh, involved alien abductions. It's weird to imagine that there was a time before there was, like, alleged alien abductions yeah they were like well no i mean they would never come down here they're just up in the air and then people start having experiences so that covers basically the alleged thing and and the press conference but um so the other sighting that could possibly be the flatwoods monster let's see let's let me you i'll let you make your <laughs> 
your argument, but I don't buy that this is the same one. It's cool, but I wouldn't have I would have never put these two together. It's the it's the like hood thing that got me and the weird hovering like figure. The we have to give like a little bit of precursor stuff about like Mexico City and UFOs. So in July 11th or July 11th 1991 during a solar eclipse, 17 different people in Mexico City filmed um a phenomenon of like it was like a they saw an unidentified flying object. And since 1991, hundreds of these sightings have occurred. And it's weird because, like, in the way that the U.S. government is so, like, we don't know. I, what? I never never seen a UFO, never thought about a UFO. What's a UFO? It's gas. <laughs> the Mexican government acknowledges that it's been happening and they don't have any explanations for the sightings. They're very, like, yeah, I don't know. That's weird. And there's a lot of, like... You can see all sorts of... Um, or they know, and they're just like, well, the U.S. is stupid, and they're always like, it's this. You know it would work better? Just being like, yeah, that's so weird, right? <laughs> so weird. Honestly, isn't that weird? <laughs> Super weird. <laughs> Anyways, so the UFOs have never appeared aggressive, and most people are, like, really psyched when they see one, and so there's lots of video of... Um, these sightings if you look on youtube yeah the video that you posted that i that i watched that one was like during a specific day i guess the one where the 17 people filmed it and it was also it was i guess during a solar Solar eclipse eclipse. so that's probably why a lot of people happened to be filming that day and there was like a handful of them and they did look cool but again not i i didn't see the connection between that specifically yeah, uh, I think it, I was just setting the tone because it sort of like tells you kind of the relationship that people have in Mexico with like the idea of aliens, unidentified flying objects, and just sort of that, the the way they handle it. Mm-hmm. Anyways, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. so January 16th, 2004, a Mexican police officer sees some shit. <laughs> so... This officer, he's pretty young, claims he was patrolling a crime-ridden area in Guadalupe, and a figure dropped onto the road in front of his patrol car from a tree. Uh, The body was frozen above the ground, like hovering. Mm -hmm. Um, He stopped the car and turned on his high-beam headlights to get a better view. And he's, this is an interview with him, and he says, She was dressed in black and had large eyes and dark skin. That's all I managed to see. She had a hat with a point towards the back, but she didn't have a broom or anything. She was just flying on her own. I love that he was like, maybe she's a witch. (laughs) It's just funny. So this is where it turns a little scary. So the creature then flew at the car, smashing repeatedly into the window, like the the windshield. Um, So the police officer throws the patrol car into reverse to try and like get away. And he calls for backup. And he said that she was looking at him and trying to get in the car through the windshield. And so he, like, is panicking and he backs up into a wall and loses consciousness. Like he gets knocked out? Yeah, he got knocked out. And so he doesn't come to until, like, there are, you know, people there Mm -hmm. on the scene. Medical tests revealed that the officer had no drugs or alcohol in his system, but was in deep state of shock. He was not suffering and had never suffered from hallucinations or psychological disorders. And um, it was just, he was very, like, shaken by the whole thing, which I imagine, if anything, like, 
even if you just hallucinated that, it would be very frightening. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, either someone was playing a very cruel plank prank on him, or I, I don't know. But um, they ended up calling that like sort of being. They call it a flying humanoid. Mm-hmm. And there are a few videos of something like that because a bunch of other people were like, "Oh, I've seen that like up in the air." And um, I mean. Who knows if it's actually that. Yeah, I mean, those, they looked cool. The only thing is, like, this one, she's kind of, she's closer to the ground. Like, if she is hovering or whatever, it's, like, right above the ground. But the videos that I saw were, like, they were way up in the air kind of thing. Yeah. And so I didn't, like, they didn't seem similar. And then in the image that they showed where I guess someone had, like, drawn what they, like, what he described... Again, it looked like a regular, like, gray alien, but with just, like, the scream hood on sort of thing. I I just ignored that picture because I was sort of like, that's Because it didn't fit your your story? Yep. Well, then it, it wasn't an actual, like, they didn't say that was, did it say that that was the police sketch? No, I just assumed since he, so. they showed it when he was talking about what it looked like. I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. I'm I'm choosing to ignore that. <laughs> I think it was probably... Because I like the idea of it being real. I think it was probably, like, someone on drugs wearing, like, a gray alien mask with a hood. And if it was, like, a long kind of cloak-like hood, maybe you couldn't see their feet. And then they just came up and beat the shit out of his car with a baseball bat. Oh my god, what if he's never seen Scream and it was just someone in the Scream mask? It could have been. Although he said it had large eyes and dark skin. And the the Scream mask has white skin. Maybe it was off-brand. I think you could, at a stretch, connect the two, but, I mean, maybe they've got new outfits, because, I mean, this is in the 90s, the other one was in the 50s. This is in 2004. It has been a hot minute. Oh, I thought it said 1991. That's when the solar flare was. That's when they started having UFO sightings that people were, like, noticing and really, like, massively experiencing Mm. and that's why i mentioned it because that makes more sense as to why people would be so willing to be like this is fucking weird and why there's you know video evidence quote unquote of Mm. it okay okay moving on to conventional explanation my favorites (laughs) boring no it's good it's cool it's putting the the puzzle pieces together i love to solve a good good puzzle here, I'll do these, because... Yes, please. I think that would be best. Because <laughs> um, you'll just read and be like, it's a meteor. Uh-huh. That's why you should read them. So... Okay, Scully? Number one, people think it's a meteor. Um, after investigating the case in 2000, which, you know, talk about a cold case, uh, Joe Nickel of the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry, CSI... Oh, Cousin Sales, like, is this C- CIS? So basically, he's Mulder. He's he's like, I'm about to Mulder the shit out of this. No, no, he's the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry. He's Scully. Oh, so he's the yeah, Scully. Yeah, he's Never me. Mind. And Joe, I'm, I'm Joe Nickel, and Joe Nickel is me. Um, he, he concluded that the bright light in the sky reported by witnesses back on September 12, 1952, was most likely a meteor, um, and that the pulsating red light was likely an aircraft navigation slash hazard beam, like the, you know... The ones you see... Beacon? Yeah. What did I say? Beam. Beam, beacon. A beam beacon. I mean, they're similar. <laughs> I just... Like, when you said, you know, it's doing the thing, and I was like, like a beacon. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the creature described by witnesses closely resembled an owl. Nickel suggested 
that witnesses' perceptions were distorted by their heightened sense of anxiety. Uh, his conclusions are shared by a number of other investigators, including those of the Air Force, which I don't care so much about what the Air Force thinks, but me, as an investigator, I also agree with you, Joe. Nickel, hit me up. And we could talk about this owl together. She's not an investigator, <laughs> Joel. But don't believe I'm her. A, I'm an armchair... She's just a girl <laughs> with Google. I'm an armchair investigator, and I'm here to... I want answers. Um, let's see. So, <laughs> back on September 12th, 1952, um, a meteor had been observed across three states. Maryland, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. So, I think that's what the light that everyone saw going across was. It was a meteor. Um, according to Nickel, the three flashing red aircraft beacons were also visible from the area of the sightings, um, and that could account for the descriptions of a pulsating red light and the red tint on the face of the supposed monster. And then according to skeptic Ryan Haupt, even though local boy Max Lockard admitted he'd driven around the site hoping to see something in his Chevy truck, paranormal investigators concluded that the track's oily residue and the bits of rubbery substance must have been left by the creature and not by the truck. So that's the one where they were like, ooh, there's this weird, like, gummy residue. It must be from a saucer landing. But this local guy, Max Lockard, was like, no, I drove my truck around looking for it. And he probably just, you know, had some, like, oil or you know, air conditioning fluid or whatever the fuck fall out of his car. And that's what all the tracks and stuff were from. See, Hobbs also explains that the nausea reported by some of the witnesses as symptoms is consistent with hysteria and overexertion. And um, this one, it didn't say anything in here about it, but I read somewhere else that the the weird smell that they uh, described, that they, they said it smelled like sulfur, and apparently there are a lot of sulfur springs in this area, and I feel like they would have noticed if the meteor had actually landed near them, because most of the time they just go through the air flash and they don't usually actually make it down to the ground, but maybe it did and it could have, like, broke open, like, a sulfur spring or something like that. It's possible. And that could have been why it was, like, so strong, but again, I feel like they would have noticed, since they were all looking around for it, they would have picked up if it had actually landed, but I thought that was interesting. Um, back on the mustard gas thing, which this kind of, I think, lends more to the whole, like, Air Force downed experimental craft or whatever, but with human origin, not not from space. They suggested that the people who witnessed the sighting um, inhaled exhaust from some down experimental craft and that all the stuff that they experienced was really similar to the effects of mustard gas and that that could last for like days and weeks afterward and that might be why they were having the the nausea and all that. There's this one site, it was like bogleach.com and I was just looking at the comments and someone Bogleach? And I was like yeah, it's. I guess they post sort of like cryptids and and sort of paranormal stuff, and they had some insight that I hadn't like thought about. But um, that comment I thought was interesting because I was like, oh, you know, if there is like maybe a downed experimental aircraft that could possibly have like crashed into a sulfur spring, like you were saying, um, if there is a meteor shower, like that's also going on. It could be a combination of all of those things, essentially. What if it was an experimental craft and they put the mustard gas in it so that if it crashed and anyone found it, it would just kill them? That's fucked up. Well. I mean, <laughs> the government. So I was going to say, just I wouldn't put it past mustard them. gas is so, like, it's really, 
strong. Mustard gas is... I always just think of, like, World War One. I. I think of Sarah's dad in Little Princess. Just, shit fucks you up. do. You're just trying to go... Papa? <laughs> no! Sarah. Time to cry. Oh, God. No, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about owls. So, and this one I think is super cool, and I'll have to post a picture of it because it it makes perfect sense. Elizabeth isn't a lizard. She's a barn owl. And they were all just real spooked. So, Nickel concluded that the shape, movement, and sounds that were reported by the witnesses are consistent with the silhouette, flight pattern, and call of a startled barn owl perched on a tree limb um and so they think that the owl was like up on a tree limb which would make it you know look like it was really high and then it was just the foliage and like you know tree bark and all that other stuff bushes or whatever beneath the tree that makes it look like a giant like pleated green skirt you know they skirt or metallic or whatever could have been like light reflecting off of shiny leaves or whatever but they also said that some of the witnesses couldn't decide whether the creature actually had arms or not because like the mom said that it had like little claw-like hands or whatever and that they were extended in front of it but depending on like the angle you're looking at it it could have just been the legs of the barn owl like holding on to the the thing and then when it swooped down towards them that could be the gliding. And also it would just look like, you know, scary, weird arms, <laughs> you know, extended out. But it's actually just kind of, you know, bent out to like attack if they got too close. Or just gripping a tree limb. Well, no, no, that too. But when it like jumped out because they said it glided toward them. Oh, right, right, And it's, right, if, it's, yeah. if its little claws were still out, it would look like little scary like T-Rex arms coming towards them, but it could have just been, like, a, a protective thing. Like, don't you get near me. I'm trying to get out of here. And so that's why I think Elizabeth is an owl. Boring. Time for the fun explanations, oh, y'all. Yeah, you mean the... It's time we get moldy in here. <laughs> <laughs> get in my moldy corner. My dank, yeah. moldy corner. These are literally the same explanation, but one is more fun. So... First one, extraterrestrial. People have suggested it may be an extraterrestrial in some sort of weird hover skirt or spacesuit due to the oil leak and peculiar metallic-like appearance. Second explanation is lizard alien in a weird spacesuit or hover skirt. According to bogleech.com... <laughs> <laughs> you and your bogleech. Hey, man. Okay. Everyone go There's subscribe likely... to bogleech.com. Hey, I enjoyed their their site. It was good. God, it was a good. Good, time. good content. Good, good content. A plus. Also, they used the word bone in reference to having sex, and so I trust oh. them <laughs> with my life. <clears throat> according according to Bogleach, there was a likely copycat story that was reported exactly a day later by a young couple out walking in the woods with their baby. Uh, this monster looked like some sort of scaly reptilian humanoid, but with a body fused together in some way from the waist down. No specific details were really offered on what this meant, but many were quick to interpret it as the same hover skirt seen in Braxton County. Could he have taken his Elizabethan-esque spacesuit top off and been checking out the locals? 
Or was it just a copycat story for attention? No one knows, but it's probably a lizard. Oh, it's probably a copycat. And they were like, man, all we've got is this dang old baby. I wish that we were famous. Our baby doesn't do anything. Let's make up a story about an alien. Which one sounds real, y'all? An owl on a tree? Or an extraterrestrial with fucking saucer eyes? Mm-hmm. I think, I think we know the answer. I like how you say that, and I'm just like, I'm so glad she just made my point, and everyone's going to agree with me. <laughs> and I can tell you're over there with, like, your arms crossed, being like, case closed, it's aliens. <laughs> case closed, it's aliens. Whatever, me and that, uh, that, what is it, ancient aliens guy. <laughs> oh, God, I can't remember his name, it's a, it's Greek. I don't know. Mm. It's like Steven, Steven Stevenopoulos, a beautiful name. Uh, (sighs) All right, well, tell me about the local culture. uh, They've really embraced it, you know. I don't know what else they've got going on, but they know how to take a one-time sighting of this green monster and really stretch it out. Um, You know, they got to keep things relevant in West Virginia. All they have is the McElroy's McElroy boys. <laughs> That's it. What else do they have? Flatwoods monster, McElroy boys. Uh, I wonder if and two of them don't even live there. <laughs> I wonder if they even know about the Mac I wonder if it'll show up in Amnesty, the Flatwoods monster. You know, oh yeah. my god, I hope so. I'll I'll be like, I know all about this. It's fake. <laughs> so now it's not fake. And they'll take away my, my listening privileges and I won't know what's going on. Yeah. They'll give me extra listening privileges. <laughs> Damn it. We'll be like, yes, we embrace this idea of a lizard creature. Okay, so the local officials have erected a welcome to Flatwoods slash home of the green monster sign on the route leading into town. Um, in celebration of the legend, the Braxton County Convention and Visitor Center's Bureau built a series of five tall chairs in the shape of the monster to serve as landmarks and visitor attractions. I thought this was really cool. I saw a picture of one, and I think it's neat. Uh, the town of Flatwoods also houses a museum dedicated to the monster legend and offers promotional merchandise so you can get your hands on some sweet, sweet merch. Uh, the Bureau rewards right. visitors who photograph all five chairs with free Braxy stickers as part of their ongoing promotion. Can we take a road trip? I really want to go. I mean, as long I guess if we can go to, like, other places. I really don't want to drive to West Virginia just to sit in a chair when I could just as easily, like, have myself photoshopped into all the pictures. I just want to, I want to, I want to see it. I want to see the Flatwoods monster. Well, I don't think you will see it because I don't think it's ever showed back up after that one time. It will show up for me. I believe. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna like set out some some pungent mist like by your your fireplace and wait for it to come down your chimney. Hot tuna. Just put some hot tuna. Ew, out why it. hot tuna? It's pungent. Oh, it's, it reaches. It'll attract it. Don't even It'll worry. Hot tuna. Track something. It'll track Mark to your house. <laughs> uh, he's not. A, I mean, if he wants to wear an Elizabethan skirt and don some saucers for eyes and pretend to be the Flatwoods monster, that would be good enough for me. But can you imagine coming really down your stairs and you like shine a light on your fireplace and it's Mark and he just hisses and swoops at you? <laughs> I don't think I could come over to your house anymore after that. 
What a, and then he just completely yes. like pretends like it didn't happen. Every time you see him, you're like, what the fuck? And he's like, what? Why are you being so aggressive towards me? I don't know what you're talking about. But then he does the really intense like goofy <laughs> eyes. That, that's just his <laughs> eyes. Those just his beautiful eyes. Uh, let's see. Uh, the monster legend is celebrated every year when the town of Flatwoods holds its annual festival called Flatwoods Days. The three-day festival is a weekend of live music, food, and craft vendors. See, something like Flatwoods Days just makes me think of, like, a nice day at, like, going to, like, market days in Canton. You know? Just. Yeah, but they're celebrating <laughs> cryptid, which is beautiful That is and really perfect. nice. I love it. I hope it. there's cosplay. I mean, there's fan art. <laughs> There's so much fan art. Uh, I didn't like this part. I don't like these things that you tell me about. So, world culture. (laughs) The Flatwoods Monster has made many cameos in uh, Japanese video games, such as Amagon for NES and uh, the aliens and ghosts from Majora's Mask. And I think there's a couple of others, but those are the only ones I could, like, find Now, when quickly. Now, when they say that he has cameos, like, do they specifically say that that's who it is? Or is it just an alien that kind of looks like the drawings of the Flatwoods monster? Um, some of them are actually the Flatwoods monster in video games. Let me look up in video games. Yeah, because the Majora's Mask one, it does really look like it. It's just, that one's just, like, they drew inspiration from Okay. It. Because I never actually finished Majora's Mask. It was too eerie. Um, apparently there's a horror game that they're coming out with that's supposed to be in it. There's a couple of, like, if you look it up, if you look up Flatwoods Monster in video games, there's some images. But, I mean, the it definitely looks like the Zelda monster. Yeah, that one was definitely the closest one. I, I think there's more, but I didn't, I didn't care to, like, really research that. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I meant to, and I was just like, eh. No, well, if I had found out what you did about people wanting to have goddamn sex with this thing, I would have stopped looking, too. There's fan art of it, and some people want to bone it. That's right. You heard me correctly. (laughs) Some people want to fuck the Flatwoods monster, which, you know, I don't want to kink shame them, but also, why? They don't even know Elizabeth. I know. Mm-hmm. They don't know her personality. They don't understand what her hisses mean. <laughs> I just... I don't... I don't know. People are nasty. People gross. This is why we can't have Pokemons, because people would just want to have sex with them. Ugh. Oh, no. <laughs> I had never even thought of that. <laughs> like, oh, no, Mark no. tells me that, like, Why'd once a week. Why would you do that? <laughs> like, what? Like, once a week, Mark will just be like, that's why we can't have Pokemons. People would just have sex with them. Oh no! And I'm like, no, why? And he's like, I'm just telling you, there's people out there and they want to bone all the Pokemon. No, no, no. Hey, you brought this no. to my door. I'm leaving this with uh, you. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, here's some more. Oh no. Um, the Hoya Kanton or Creeping Chaos from Wild Arms series, which is a PlayStation game. Uh, Gimme, the Wonderful 100, which is a Wii U game. And Vegas Robots, Ninja Baseball Batman, which is an arcade game. Apparently they all look, they do look like that monster. Wow, mm. okay. So, there's played, quite a few. I haven't played any of those games. Me either, but, you know. But that's the, that's the Flatwoods monster. That's our Lizzie. She's beautiful, and she's strong. And you cannot possess her. You cannot possess her. <laughs> she's her own woman. 
She's her, her own her own alien being. I need a vote on everyone who thinks that she's definitely an alien and everyone who thinks she's an owl because I need people on my side. If you vote owl, I don't want to be your friend anymore. It's pretty harsh. But follow your heart. Do you want to be right or do you want to have friends? <laughs> well, I guess. All right, Taylor, it's time. It's that time. Where we talk about spooky or cool or whatever stuff that we've been doing lately that we enjoy. Now, I wish we had a better name for this portion of the podcast. We stopped saying stay spooky, so I can't come up with something cutesy. I'm, I'm no, out. I just like this part. It's a good part. I don't really have anything super spooky this week. Um, I meant to bring it up before and I kept forgetting, but I have been, and I'm all caught up, which is a bummer, but... I've been listening to a Animorphs fan cast podcast thing where they go back and reread all of them called Vandalites, which is very clever. Yeah. Um, but it's got uh, Jenna Steber from Polygon, who is really cool and I like her a lot. Um, and then her co-host is Brent. And I don't know his last name because if I told you, the Yurks would find him. Ah, fuck, they're going to find Jenna now. Look what you Damn, did. Dang it. What did you do? But it's really good, and it's, I don't know, like, I, I haven't actually been rereading the books with them, but they do, like, a little synopsis in the beginning, and then they talk about it, and I don't know. It's just really interesting to kind of revisit it, because I, I can't remember exactly when I stopped reading Animorphs, which, if you never read, is a, like, young adult, like, sci-fi series from, I don't know if it was, like, the mid to late 90s when it would have been, but it's about- It gets dark, though, y'all. It, it starts pretty dark. There's so much more vor <laughs> in that series than I remember reading about, um, but they do a good job of, like, kind of, like- poking the plot holes out but while still appreciating like the themes and stuff that it talks about in the series but it's it's really good, like if you want to revisit it if you're kind of interested but maybe never finished it or read all of it they do a pretty good job of like filling in all of the the holes and being able to to keep up with it and and it's just it's it's funny and you know it's you know non-problematic so far which is always nice to find a podcast that you don't have to be like well you know sometimes there's just some you know mild sexism <laughs> but there's none of that here so it's good but you can follow them i think you can just find them on itunes or whatever at fandalites they've got like some great accurate fan art of what andalites actually look like which, oh, and they're also hosted on Podbean. Well, that's comforting. <laughs> that the, the podcast I also enjoy is on there. Go listen to Fandalite's podcast. That's F-A-N-D-A-L-I-T-E-S. Fandalites. Just in case you didn't know how to spell Andalites. The, the joke is that it's their fans and you put that on the front of Andalite and it becomes one word. It's so much funnier now that you've explained it. Thank you. <laughs> What about you? <laughs> uh, it's not spooky, but I've been listening to the audiobooks of Anne of Green Gables and like her continuing story because I was in a dark place and Anne of Green Gables makes me happy. 
So it's been uplifting. So if you've been like, man, I feel sort of sad, you should read Anne of Green Gables because it's literally just a little girl who's had like a super shitty life and she just radiates like not like constant positivity or anything, but like she's just very dramatic and I relate to that one. And two, her way of looking at things isn't necessarily always positive, but it definitely like makes you appreciate things around you a little bit more. Is she like a child Leslie Nope? Kind of, yes. Huh. But like she something happens in the beginning of the book and She's very upset and she's like, I'm in the depths of despair. And it's basically just like, I don't know how to describe it other than just she'll tell you exactly how she's feeling. And there's something so like beautiful about that. <laughs> like there's not a whole lot of filtering going on. What time period does it take place in? Um, 1860 something. And it goes like the books go through her whole like life. Okay. Like up until she gets like married and has babies. Those are the later books, but Anne of Green Gables is just her age, like, 11 to, I think, 16. Hmm. They're short reads. Um, I really enjoyed, if you go on Audible, you can get the unabridged Anne of Green Gables met, read by, um, either Mary Sarah or Sarah Mary. I can't remember why. It's just, like, a very generic two-name name. Mary Sari Berry. I really enjoyed her reading of it, because she was just, like, she had a really good, like, voice for Anne and for all of the other characters and it wasn't like over the top but it was just it had the right tone it's like either 99 cents or 199 or it might even be like 95 cents but for the full audiobook of that and then I think Anne of Avonlea which is the second book was also very cheap and it was read by the same lady Hmm. if you see Anne of the Island and it's read by a man. Do not buy it because it is bad. I stopped listening and I rented um, or I checked out the audiobook from Overdrive, the app, which is like a library app. <clears throat> Thanks, Sheree, for putting me on that because it's great. But uh, I found another lady to read it and it's much better because the dude had like the most flat, like, there was no highs, no lows, just this one mid-tone, and he sounded so bored the whole time he was reading it, and I just can't deal. It's not would be good for sleeping. <laughs> no, because it wasn't a good voice. Like, he didn't have, like, a soothing voice. He had, like, a... Oh. What if Brandon Keener read Anne of Green Gables? I would want it to be, like, on 24-7. <laughs> Sorry, I can't do anything else. I I know I've already listened to this like 40 times, but I have to listen to it 41 times. It's that time again, y'all. It's been 15 minutes since I finished the last reading. Becca, no. (laughs) Here we go. Yeah, but that's what I've been up to. It's really good. I recommend it. I also recommend Overdrive, the uh, library app. Becca uses it all the time. I've never used it, but her and Shri talk about it constantly. In a good way. It's a good, good time. Well, I think that is going to do it for us this week. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, we're also on Podbean. You can follow us on Google Play and catch our new episodes. Make sure to leave us a sparkling five-star review. Sparkling and refreshing like this can of Baja Blast that I'm imbibing. We're on Twitter. You can find us at, at Ghost Emoji Show. 
you can contact us at ghostemojipodcast at gmail.com. Um, and so I guess uh, I like the one that you had last time if, if you want to take us out. And as always, remember to always say goodbye when you're holding a seance <laughs> or using a Ouija board. I was thinking, I was going to say, I was thinking more just always remember to say goodbye. Otherwise, it's a little wordy. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Always remember to say goodbye. <laughs> Bye. But see, when you said it just then, it sounded like you were saying, always say goodbye-bye. <laughs> I'm so, I'm just trying to workshop it with you here. It sounds like you want to do it, but you want me to embarrass myself by doing it first. No, I just, since you were the one who came up with it, I thought that you should be the one to do it the first, like, official time. So you're just going to be like, always remember to say bye. I mean, you you could say it like you want to say it, or you could like, always remember to say bye. Bye. <laughs> or you could just be incredibly silent for... <laughs> 30 full seconds. I'm timing you. You're on like 20 seconds now. Always remember to say bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.